It's Monday, April 12th. We have Carlos Ordaz Nunez from TBT El Gallo on this week. Brittany Anderson goes to the next step of Top Chef and Richmond Restaurant Week starts. Welcome to Eat It Virginia. Hello and welcome to Eat It Virginia, voted second best podcast in the city of Richmond, but soon to be possibly number one. Go out and vote, Richmond Magazine. Follow the link on our Instagram. My name is Scott Wise. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, my friend, Roby Martin. Roby, it's so good to see you on the Zoom screen, but soon we will be in person, I hope. We will. We will definitely be in person. I am fully vaxxed. Did you have any side effects you want to share with the listeners or were you all good? I mean, I actually didn't really have any, I mean, I was told that I needed to hydrate, so I just overhydrated and think that helped. Yeah. That was pretty good. I mean, everything's good. I have shot number two coming up. Ooh. So we'll see. I'm calling it Shot Girl Summer. I like that. I like it Do you like it? I do. I I like it a lot. I like it a lot. We have so much to get to, uh, to talk about Richmond restaurants and food. We want to quickly tease. Our guest today, Carlos from TBT, the hottest taco place in the city. I think right now it's safe to say. So you said that you went last night. How long did you wait for snacks? When did you order? Well, fortunately in our interview with him, he (laughs) kind of gave us some tips on how to properly order uh, food from the restaurant. Um, I didn't have to wait at all. I ordered in the afternoon. I arrived, I was like maybe a five minute wait after the window that I was supposed to pick up my tacos, but he had a... It, there's no line there per se, because it's all pre-order for the most part. You can walk in, but he encourages people to order uh, early and just show up when at your time. So there wasn't like a huge line. There was a huge line at a plant store, <laughs> two doors down. The plant to- bar. The plant bar. Have you been there before? I've never been to the plant bar. I don't know there's what it is. a long line around the corner at the plant bar. We, should, you- go to the, we should go to the plant bar. We had a date the other day, you and I. I know, I know. It was did. so fun. That's because Lucky Scott had a Scott scoop. He had an ice cream, which is his favorite thing in the world, named after him on the Brooklyn Parkway. So we went and saw Rivia at Ruby Scoops and ate some Scott. That was <laughs> interesting <laughs> phrasing. But yes, it was delicious. It was good seeing our I friend I had a Rivia. scoop of Scott. You had a couple scoops of Scott. I had a couple, yeah, and it was worth every penny. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also visited our friend Allie over at Star Hill. We did. Where I was, well, the beer was great, but the fish posters hanging in the brewery. I had never actually been inside the brewery I before. I feel like you're I focusing was, on the wrong thing at the brewery. I'm, I'm just going to mention the fish posters. Yes, I know you are. And you're probably going to mention it at least two more times before we stop talking about Allie Star Hill. Allie was great to catch, to catch up with her. Sure. And the beer was great. The beer was I, good. I, yeah, they, um, they, they were giving out some swag bags, and we, we got one. I got a t-shirt and uh, are you wearing it? Oh. Not currently, but I, I wore it every day on my vacation they, to the point where my kids were like, my kids were like, uh, are you they gave us speakers too? Did you get a speaker? I, I, I saw that in the box. I have not plugged it in. I, it's, it's next level for me. Sounds good. It's great. I actually been using oh, it in the, um, when I take a shower, because you know, Bluetooth your phone right in and listen to oh, our nice. podcast which is, here's a good thing. Where can they find this podcast, Scott? And what should they do after they listen to it? Wow. Okay. This is like a pop quiz. Our, pod- <laughs> our podcast is our available. Our podcast. Well, if you're listening to it, you kind of know it's available. <laughs> but um, if you uh, if you are confused about other places you can find it, <laughs> it's uh, generally available on WTVR.com. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon. And if you, look at, if you look at any of those places and you can't find it, let us know and we will rectify that. Also, we would love if for you to leave a review on any of said uh, podcast platforms because positive, well, positive, we want positive reviews. I want all um, reviews, actually. If you don't like something, send me a message. I yeah, want send us a message. Know. But on the, on the podcast platforms, leave positive reviews. Oh, okay. Because that... That pumps us up in the in the algorithm and gets more listeners, and then you know that's good for everybody. Well, mostly good for me and you, Roby, but we'll, we'll say it's good for it's everybody. good for everyone. Just a good a pos- yeah. positivity is always good for everyone. Everyone. Then I have to ask you a question. Okay. How was your vacation? Oh, it was so nice. It was so nice. Um, 
So for those of you who don't follow me on social media, tisk tisk. Which uh, you didn't Scott do a ton of was. while you were on vacation. So I was super upset. I couldn't see where you were having snacks. I don't do that so much while I'm actually on. You're vacation. afraid of stalkers? Not so much that. Um, I like to live in the moment a little more. Some lovely lady's going to one come take all of your hair because it's so exactly. nice. No, no, no. I like to live in the moment a little more when I'm on vacation with, with the family like that. So I try to keep the phone in my pocket for as much as possible. But um, anyhow, yeah, so we're in New Orleans. I drove my children and my mother uh, to New Orleans. That's a full it's car. A long, it's, a, it's a full car. It's a long drive. <laughs> but the drive was relatively uneventful. We stopped in uh, Alabama on the way down. Montgomery went to the Rosa Parks Museum. Oh, fun. Sat sat in a bus you know the not the bus but a bus and like did the whole tour saw um learned about rosa parks and the civil rights movement it was it was a lovely museum i recommend it to anyone who's driving to new orleans or to montgomery alabama um the Orleans was great we were there not very long uh this is a spring break week so we were there we arrived monday afternoon and left thursday so it's really quick um the orleans is you know like much like many cities in the country obviously uh, COVID protocols are in place. So um, I, I'm guessing like a lot of places that people recommended might not have been open on Mondays and Tuesdays so much. I feel like the city kind of reawakens on Wednesday, Thursday, and it's probably in full bloom on Friday. You know, we weren't there for the full bloom, but I will say it was a good initial toe dip in the water for my kids. Obviously New Orleans right. isn't really, you don't think about like taking children to New Orleans so much. But um, they had a blast and they were the reason why we went. My daughter, um, who's 14, loves the idea of New Orleans and the idea of the food of New Orleans. So to go at a time when it, maybe it wasn't like in full people puking on the sidewalks and things like that might have been a good time for us to go. I think um, it's first perfect. Was, Did you guys yeah. get some beignets? That was our first stop. Um, first, very first stop. Actually, the first stop we took a we were staying in the Garden District and we took a, a lift to um, you know, the French Quarter. And the first thing I did after explaining to the kids that this is not Disney World, right? Like you have to like, you know, 95% of the people we encounter are gonna be lovely folks, but there's a 5% of the people that we're gonna run into that, you know, just, you know, don't make eye contact with people that are screaming on the sidewalks and, you know, someone stumbling towards you kind of just Move sashay over. out of the way. Exactly. Um, so I kind of gave him this speech and I think I freaked him out a little bit because we walked down Bourbon Street. That was the very first thing we did was walk down Bourbon Street. And again, it was Monday afternoon. It was a you know, quarter to five, maybe five o'clock. So it wasn't it wasn't the Bourbon Street that perhaps you or I might have encountered in our youth. But um, <laughs> it was it was enough to. Uh, OK, Grandpa. <laughs> it was enough. To, it was enough to make them not want to go back down Bourbon Street uh, during the trip. But we ended up at Cafe Dumont. We had a lovely time. We went there a couple of times, actually. Um, we experienced, we had alligator po' boy sandwiches. Yeah. Um, alligator. And uh, we went to Giacomo's and we had fried green tomatoes and we had boudin balls. Which Ooh, I've never yum. heard of before. They were so good. So, so good. Um, what other? Nor oh, gumbo, obviously. Um, it was all just really lovely. It was a it was a great trip. It was a really great trip. And we had so many recommendations. You recommended places. Some of your friends that live down there recommended some places. My uncle is from New Orleans. He recommended some places. I have a friend down in New Orleans. She recommended some places. Yay. So it was it was just very it's overwhelming. Like you need like a Sherpa to kind of walk <laughs> you through it all. But I think we we wanted to go back. It sounds like you guys did a first, you know, I, I it sounds like hey, you did a great job with your first foray with your children. And I actually don't understand people not doing touristy things, which I love that you did the, you know, Boudin and the beignets and all that stuff, because you are a tourist. <laughs> like, that's like, sure. Yeah. Like I don't ever understand why it's negative. That's why you're there. You're there to visit. So I love all those things that you did. I think it sounds really fun. No, it was great. And, Super uh, you, jealous. You, you just got back from the beach, right? So I have a big happening tomorrow. We'll get into that at some other point, but we did a, I keep calling it. I probably shouldn't say this on this podcast in case somebody hears my big happening, but I keep calling it before I walk the plank, which is, no, it's a positive thing. You know what it is. It's a positive thing, but going from being where I have been the last couple of months to what's happening tomorrow is, you know. She's not getting married tomorrow, folks. No, She's not no, that's not. no, that, that would happening. definitely be walking the plank. Um, no. <laughs> 
no, no, no. So we, um, Ryan and I popped up to Virginia beach for a night, uh, had, went, dropped up into the pink dinghy, which is delicious Virginia beach. It's actually the place itself is really attractive. Um, hit prosperity kitchen, which is by far my favorite thing that we did. Um, and for Virginia beach, that wasn't like did I see you outside. Did I see you outside with a Japanese chef? Did you post that on social media? Oh, that was over hibachi the weekend. Outside? Yeah, yeah, but that wasn't um that was here in Richmond. There's a oh. a traveling hibachi chef. Uh his name's Fuji, F U J I, and he brings all the equipment and makes Yeah, it's, it was it's actually one of the most intriguing things I've watched in a long time. He sets the whole thing up like you're actually in a U shape. The people, so you can't have more than 15 cuz you know and then he only 15 people can fit into you. No, I mean, it's uh, regulations and all that stuff, but he does that. Oh, that's yeah. what is, um, um, but like, no, more people could fit into you, but it wouldn't make sense. Cause you know, like you've been to a Japanese steakhouse. If there's 50, that's not fun. No, not at all. It's a lot of shrimp to go around. Yeah. Too many. To, he does that in volcano. He checks the broccoli at you. Um, he's super, super. All, all of the classics, everything, everything you need. Yes. It, it was. Yeah. So that's what you saw. He was great. I would 100% recommend him to anybody who wants to do an outdoor Japanese steakhouse experience. Apparently he's very affordable and yeah, you can find him at 757.fuji on Instagram. Anyway, that's why I thought you were, that's why I thought you were in the beach because 757. Right? Ah, that makes total sense. Yes. But I was at the beach. We went to, we stayed at the new Marriott oceanfront. Don't do it. Um, uh, we went to the Cavalier. It was fine. I'm not getting into why you shouldn't stay at the new Marriott Oceanfront other than I don't understand why they don't have cups or water or I don't know. Towels. Times are tough, Roby. Times are tough. I don't think they're that tough. Um, <laughs> anyway, they, that, that's not the point. Good things though, coming up. I want here. to hear the good things. Carlos. Carlos yes. is the good things. And TVT El Gallo. We get this interview is actually recorded. A word. Hi guys. I'm happy to be back. Like real talk. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, even though Scott thinks I'm full of <laughs> but it's true. I enjoy I enjoy chatting with you guys, for real. And you finally tried our food, Ruby. You came. We were so excited. We were so so that is the voice of Carlos Ordas Munoz of TVT El Gallo. And he is on the podcast today for the second time because we we, I'm not even going to do this. It wasn't me. And it wasn't Carlos, was it, Carlos? It was Scott that screwed this up. Wouldn't you agree? You, you got to think of this of this, um, this podcast like couscous. You know, the food that they named it twice. So that's why I'm here the second time around. He's so gracious. So as Roby alluded to, and as we mentioned in our last podcast, I hit the wrong button. The, the recording went to hell. And this beautiful conversation we had is just in the ether somewhere now. So this is take two with Carlos at TBT. Thank you for your time again, sir. I just don't know. The first one was so good. I don't know if we're going to be able to repeat it. I was telling Carlos when I was getting his amazing tacos that I thought that you may have screwed us for all time, Scott. Oh, now I'm like nervous. But nobody knows that but us. So as far as the listener knows. <laughs> yeah, this, this is actually, we're, we're just gonna, we'll just lie and say this, this is going to be the best conversation that we've, ever, that we've ever had. Yeah, one uh, scout's on. Well, good. Let's start from the beginning then. Um, how did you get to Richmond and then to in your brick and mortar? Hi. So um, I was actually born in Mexico in a, a really small town called uh, Anayati, which is a state on the west coast of Mexico. And about like 35 minutes after I was born, I was on a bus to California. And um, I kind of spent the first few years of my life uh, working with my parents. They were working as migrant farmers going like place to place to place and um when i was around like four or five my mom and dad took this huge risk and like moved across the country here to to richmond virginia and they started kind of working on farms i grew up working on a farm and um you know watched my parents work insanely hard like extremely hard and like and rise the ranks from like simple migrant workers to running the business that they um they were working at and then eventually when i graduated high school my parents started their own business. 
And the entire time this was happening, my mom and dad were like, you're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a lawyer. And I was like, cool. But like, I really, really love like watching like cookie shows on TV. And I'm like, yo, that chef looks like a rock star. Like he would just stand there with his arms crossed and like the chef's knife tattoo on the forearm at every like rock star chef has. And I was like, I want to be that. And my mom was like, no, 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 no. And she like sent me to like a really, really crappy job at a local Mexican restaurant. <laughs> it was awful. Like it was really bad, but I loved every moment of it because like, it's, it's a cool energy to be in, in the kitchen and to, like feel that camaraderie. Cause like the crazy thing about kitchens is like, they don't give a about you. And it's amazing because it's really all they care about is, can you do this job? And it's just like a bunch of people coming together and banding together and creating this like artisticness and this beautiful product that is meant to be consumed in like 15, 20 minutes. And it's not, and it's, and it's just all that 18 hours, 20 hours of work that you go through, just makes it totally work with instant gratification. So I fell in love with that really fast. I'm gonna and interrupt so you real quick, Carlos, because I wanna remind you and remind Roby that when I met you okay. and we talked about doing this podcast, you asked me if you could drop F-bombs and I oh said, I said, yes. Oh, However, I said that every, for every F-bomb you drop, it's a free taco for, for, for Roby and I. So that's that one. Very true. That's one. Oh, I'm, just, I'm keeping a mental tally here. I'm not going to interrupt you every single time because I hopefully you'll cost <laughs> more and more. And that's more and more tacos oh, and for the two of us. We forgot, Scott. Like, I really so, did. But, I was going to let it go. I thought for sure we would just let that go. No, 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 no. We would just not even talk about it. But it's Scott, taco Scott's time. Gotta have the taco. It's taco, taco Tuesday. It's taco Tuesday. Continue, taco sir. Tuesday every day. Continue, no, but, sir. So, anyway, so after I did that, um, I went to college for like 25 minutes, um, dropped out, and did this thing called like running away from home. And um, wait, what? Wait, 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 what? <laughs> no, I didn't really run away from home. Long story short, I just started working in random kitchens and like, like is this DC, <laughs> Richmond? Where are we? Where are we in the country Richmond. right now? Still in Richmond. I just in like, you know, actually, like my mom and dad just kind of gave up and like let me like work in restaurants and let and like let me keep working in the farm. And honestly, the farm is kind of like where I really learned to appreciate ingredients and like learn to appreciate like the craft and like dedication, the hard work that goes into creating like a singular perfect product. And in my early 20s, I kind of like started going away and trying to, you know, get, um, you know, better better cooking jobs and whatnot. And around like 22 is when I left for uh, Detroit where I got my first cooking job for a couple months and I actually met my wife there. And then when I came back home, I knew like, this is what I really want to do. And so I got an opportunity for the job I had working at a corporate restaurant in, um, in Richmond that I wanted to go to DC and, you know, so I kept my corporate job working in that restaurant. And as soon as I got to DC, I immediately just started like working random shifts and random restaurants as, as bartender, cook, front house, anywhere, just trying to soak up as much knowledge as I could and learn as much as I can and just like be a sponge. And, and I met in and, and the industry in DC was like incredibly like welcoming to me and it was incredible. And then after like a couple of years of being there, this crazy pandemic thing happened, you know, and all like the world turned sideways. And um, basically the pandemic happened right when my lease on the apartment me and my wife had ended. And my mom was just like, come back home, work on the farm for a year and then figure it out. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll come home. And I came home and worked on the farm. And here's, I love my farm. Like I love working in my parents' farm, but it's like my parents' business. So it's not really like mine. So I don't, really feel like that sort of attachment to it, but I am passionate and I do love, I'm proud of them. But basically when I was doing this, I, I was, you know, still moonlining as a bartender doing whatever. And then like around September, like my wife was like, you know, you're pretty bummed. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. She's like, why don't you just cook? And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. So like I had like 850 bucks in my pocket and I bought a grill and like some tables and like it's really pop up time. And, um, <laughs> and I, I just like, called up this one was one lady that owns a pro, uh, farmer's market, Barry's Produce. And I was like, hey, you know how like my mom like sells you produce and like you need her and like you're really nice to me? Well, guess what? Nepotism. And um, I got like a spot in her parking lot to start cooking. And I did that for like right away. And it wasn't like successful. Like it was not like I hit the ground running and was killing it. But like people were like hella skeptical. 
I was like, who is this dude? Why is he in this parking lot? His food smells really good. But again, he's in a parking lot. And so people were kind of like dismissive. And, um, but I had a blast and I did that for a few weeks and, you know, um, it was cool. But like, I think I told you guys, like when I first started doing this, I was trying to be like hardcore traditional Mexican, like trying to be cooking the way that my, my mom and my dad and my abuelos and my, my extended family cook and how, you know, honoring those like time honored Mexican traditions. And it's a blast and it's a passion and it's a love, but it wasn't true to who I was as a culinary professional. And it wasn't who I, I didn't feel like I was putting my, my heart on a plate, so to speak. And then around like seven weeks or so of doing these random pop-ups in random places, I kind of said, you know, like, you know, part of my French, I said, you know, it. and I started doing things in my way. And that's when like, we started doing the slam dunk contest, which is my version of a quesadilla taco. That's when we started doing like the, the, the pork belly apple store with the, with the pickled compressed pineapple and like doing all these like chefy nuances and trying to maybe like essentially elevate street food. And that's where TBT guy was really born when I kind of had like too many tequila shots and was like, screw it. And around that time is when I also like saw that the building I mean was available for like lease. So I sent an application in and like, I got it. And I was like, oh, like I got a building now. And then, um, congratulations! Like, I didn't think it was happening. I didn't think I, I didn't think it was gonna. Happen. I thought one of the bigger players in Rich was gonna snatch it up. Like I thought it was gonna be like a dumpling shop or another pizza shop or like some huge like Rich Richmond restaurant group was gonna be like, "Hi, this is our new like prep house for all forty of our restaurants or whatever." But he, they picked me, and I was like really honored to be in that space. And then like, like here's your building. Good luck, peace. And then at that moment is when I was said, "Okay, well I literally like." tied an anchor around my neck, let's go for it. And like, I went from, like, like I quit my job as a you know, bartender to my mom, like, I gotta leave the farm, I gotta actually cook like all the time now. And started cooking like a mad person, just popping up anywhere. Like I'm talking like any restaurant that would let me show up on their off day, breweries, farmers markets, literally office, but anyone that said, yeah, sure, it's whatever. And it was like really like renegade status for like a few months. and. Like, I, I loved every moment of it. And like, finally, like after like a couple months of doing it, and like, I never like, I never felt like there was a single moment where like we went like viral and we're like killing it. Like one day my wife was just like, it's not like Taylor Swift like retweeted me and was like, yo, TBT's a And um, like immediately the crowd showed up afterwards, but it was just kind of like a slow and steady rise. Like I remember one month my wife was like, hey, you know that like you did like, 80% more tickets this month than you did last month, right? And I'm like, no, no way, really? And then like two months later, she was like, hey, Carlos, um, you're having like 40 minute waits outside of Austin Brewing and people are starting to get mad. You have to figure this out way better. And like uh, AJ, one of my chefs was like, bro, we need another grill. And I was like, what? And then we got the other grill and I was like shocked that I had to buy another grill to keep up with like the demand and the, and the, and the energy, like people wanting our stuff. And then we did that in January. We came back from our like winter, winter, winter break. And ever since we came back in January, it's been off the rails. It is now March, April of 2021. It's been one year since the pandemic started. It's been one year since you moved back home from DC onto your parents' farm. What have you learned about yourself in the last 12 months, Carlos? I've, first off, I've always been extremely like confident in myself. Like I wouldn't have like done this if I didn't like believe in my ability to cook and my ability to make food. But Really, what I've learned is to love who I am and what I and what I cook, and to really like, like really embrace that, and not be like not pigeonhole myself or put myself in a box, and not be like, "Yo, this is Mexican cuisine, you have to do this," or "This is Southern cuisine, you have to do this." For me to accept my perspective of my culinary influences and to do food the way I want to do it, and it took me a really long time to like come to grips with it. Cause when I was a young chef, the last thing I wanted to do was cook Mexican food because it wasn't respected. People didn't take it seriously. And like to this day, I have me and my chefs, we laugh. We're always like, yeah, we're cooking tacos in the parking lot, but there's a lot of craft and energy that goes into everything. And like, and I'm the type of person that wants to like keep pushing the envelope. And they're like, nah, bro, like reel it in. Like you're, you're getting like too wild. Like if they would let me, we would have some ridiculous on our menu. And 
now we just, you know, and we are still going to do that ridiculous stuff. Like, I don't, I don't care what they say. We're just, we're going for it. No, but, um, but I guess like the number one thing I've learned in this course of this year is if, like to, to really, really, really believe in my version of cooking and to not feel intimidated or feel like I have to do things a certain way. And that took me a minute to come to grips with. And like when I kind of, when I, when I told you after like seven tequila shots at Faithful Night where I said, screw it, uh, I still didn't really like think people would be that into it. I thought people would just be like, all right, now this isn't anything I recognize. Like this is tacos and this is Mexican flavors, but why is he doing it this way? And, and I mean, now you're later, like I just, we just like, we're closed after like one week of like, being a business and I mean like just like straight one week of getting my ass kicked every single day in my restaurant so like I guess like it, it paid off but like and I'm all that all to like Richmond like I had nothing to do with that like like this community in this city like really embraced us and has really supported us I'm so thankful to them like I really I oh like I would not have a restaurant if it wasn't for like the day ones and, and people that would just be like yo where's CBT at this like oh crap we're mid loafing let me drive over there or dude why the hell are they in like, you know, like Southside now or oh, crap, we're in Boston this time. And like, we'd have to like go to place to place. We're like, oh, we're in the Vale on Wednesday. Like who goes there? Like, and just like ridiculous things, you know? So I guess, thank you guys. And now I have like a spot where you can just find me every single day. So like, it's not as much adventure. So let's walk through the menu for maybe some individuals that aren't aware of like what you're serving because while you are very open and explaining everything on your menu, if you do order, I'd love to talk about like, tell me what a birria taco is. So birria is this really rustic, super Mexican dish. Um, traditionally, it's made from goat. And birria just means like, like shredded, you know, and um, we do ours with, with beef. It's a blend of different cuts of beef. And it's traditionally stewed with um, with chilies and other and other spices and whatnot, and it's braised for a really long time. And the beautiful thing about this dish, it's it's a a dish that my mother and other Mexican mothers out there make when you're poor as f- and you can't afford anything because you're just taking these really tough, not desirable cuts of meat, and you are essentially trying to take the less of what you have and make it into something greater into some of its parts. And media is a dish that my mom would make a giant pot of when I was a kid. And that's just something that I knew you would be eating for like the next four days. And to see this dish right now, how it gets a moment in the sun and people essentially be excited and willing to pay me money to eat a food that like I knew we were eating because like, oh no, mom and dad don't have a lot of money this week or crap, my dad you know, you know, couldn't find work or like, this is, you know, we're not doing great. And that's just like, it's a dish like that, you know, that really, really, I'm really proud of. And I'm happy that, you know, that Richmond and this country is embraced. And, you know, our media is very invocative and very true to what Mexico does in the sense that I'm a huge believer in using Mexican ingredients and only Mexican ingredients. And I'm a really, my favorite Mexican ingredients, you know, are like, I love Mexican cheeses, but I also really love Mexican chilies. And we get our media flavor from just chilies. Like we add garlic, salt, tomatoes, and then everything else is just the chilies. Um, every single flavor comes from our blend of chilies. Um, there are 64 chilies that are indigenous to Mexico and they all provide a really unique flavor. And I love that dish because it highlights like the flavors of Mexico in a dish. And the, and the and basically the heart and soul of Mexican cooking, which is, hey, we're kind of a poor people over here in the Oaxaca, West Coast region of Mexico. We're not like Mexico City or the Cancun, Yucatan area where there's an abundance of money and ingredients. It's just, we're doing the best with what we have. And that's a dish that, you know, and it's cool when people walk in and it's just like, yo, can I get a vita taco? And I'm like, hell yeah, you can eat a taco that I used to eat at lunch because we had no money. Now, I'm like super into that. But um, and also like the, the style of cooking we do, like at, at the end of the day, we're taqueros. Like we are, we're a taqueria, you know? And like, this is all inspired by like, basically being drunk late at night in like LA and with my cousins and just going around from corner to corner and be like, hey, hold on, that looks really good. And like giving some dude three bucks for some tacos off the corner. And, um, and our menu is kind of in that spirit of what we do. 
but like I said, we're elevated street food. Like there is a lot of nuance, a lot of finesse, a lot of, of skill that goes into making our food. Like, and it, it blows like my, my, my poor, you know, my, like, like my, my, my mom, like my mom is just like, Mijo, what are you doing? And I'm like, we're just trying to make our, you know, apostor our way. And she's like, no, we don't do this. <laughs> like we were fermenting chilies the other day to make our, um, to make like our like because you know sambal is like something that's really awesome and i'm like well i need to make a sambal but with like mexican chilies so like we did it we fermented chilies and then like we blended that into a marinade for pork belly and we use that to make our pastor and my mom was like why like why are you doing it this way and i'm like, <laughs> like how i want to do is like no me well you can't do a pastor this way you have to do it this way and i'm like no mom like this is how i'm going to do it this is my way i'm like well are you at least going to use a trompo and roast over it like, no <laughs> I'm gonna sous vide it for six hours so it cooks in its own fat, and then I'm gonna fry this bitch. And my mom's just like, "Mijo, you local." Worked out, you know. I was gonna ask you about. I was gonna ask you about that because you mentioned you're you're kind of taking your inspiration from your mom and your grand your grandmothers. So I, I'm hoping they like your food. Oh yeah, my mom likes it. She doesn't understand why I do the things I do, but she likes the way it tastes and. You know, it is inherently Mexican flavors, but it's really distinct. Like we're different than, we're a lot different than the taquerias in like Southside or the more traditional like Mexican restaurants that have been around since I was like a little kid. Like, like this is Latinx, like modern, like youthful Mexican, broken Spanish, like second generation Mexican cooking. Tacos are life, you know. I'm really interested like, in cheese, Carlos. You mentioned you mentioned oh. Mexican cheese. Oh my gosh! So this is like hill. I, I think he has some opinions on cheese. I will fight every Mexican restaurant that does this. So, um, so, so I, I, when I walk into the grocery store and I buy my Mexican cheese, it's like a, a three or four cheese. I think it's called a Quattro cheese blend. The Fiesta blend. Stop that- buying Fiesta blend. Like it's so awful. Like we. What should I be getting? Oh my- not the one that has cheddar mixed into it is what he's oh, trying to say. No, the cheddar Monterey Jack, queso quesadilla, like, oh, God, I hate that. And it blows my mind when I see other, like, tacoreras or, like, you know, or quote-unquote Mexican places that are like, orale, somos mexicanos, tato locos. Like, no, like, you can't be like, yo, we're hardcore with Mexican authentic cooking. I've been serving yellow cheese on a kind of quesadilla. Like, Oh, God, so what no, am I looking for then? What am I looking for when I walk well, into a Mexican restaurant? I will use Mexican cheeses in my restaurant. And I will only ever use Mexican cheeses in my restaurant. Um, that's just a thing that I'm really passionate about. Um, and like, and the number one reason why we haven't done like quote unquote cheese dip, which is the number one thing people ask me for. The Seriously? Why, is it really? Oh my God. Everybody. Everybody asked me for cheese dip. And I'm just like. For that uh, plasticky white stuff? Yes, yes, and and I, it blows my mind. Like, like I can't do that. Like, the, and so we've been working on a way. And right now, we kind of think we have something, and we're we're still trialing it. And because at the end of the day, like I'm meticulously OCD about putting stuff on my menu. Like, I refuse to put anything on my menu until it's like legitimate, right, ready. Like, like and if something goes on my menu and I don't like the way it turns out, I'll stop selling it. And like right now, we're, we're like we're retooling some stuff on our menu and kind of changing it up a little bit. Like one taco is coming off. We're going to put a new vegetarian taco in this place. And I'm like really excited. We're doing a fried Brussels sprout taco and it's going to be stupid, stupid wild. And um, okay, my mom was like, Brussels sprouts, there's not in Mexico. And I'm like, I know, but like, I'm still going to do it. She's like, okay, what are you going to do it with? I'm like, I'm going to do an amole on my ego. And she's like, okay, that's really Mexican. What are you going to, why? I'm like, well, I just think these flavors come on each other. I'm gonna do these, and then she's just like, "Yeah, it's a, it's a stupid, it's a stupid, intricate, really fun taco." And we're we're still trialing it out. We're still like trying to get it the pieces thing them together, but it's gonna happen. And then, um, but back back to like the whole Mexican Jesus thing, like, like I just it's just it's just a decision I made that I'm only gonna use cheeses from Mexico in the shop. Um, you will never see the Fiesta blend in my restaurant. Um, no, just now. And then, like I said, and we'll, I'm, Richmond, one day maybe we will have a cheese dip. I'm not making any promises. We're trying some stuff out. I hope it works and like I feel comfortable and confident and it's up to our quality and it's not like a generic like plasticky, um, like not taco thing. Like, oh, I mean, number two thing that this will never happen. I'm so sorry, Richmond. Please stop asking me for white sauce. Like I'm, I love it. Don't even mess with me. But it's a Virginia thing. You know that. 
I grew up in Virginia. It's not a, it's a totally a Virginia thing. Like it, I totally understand why you wouldn't have it, but like it is not anywhere else in the United States and not, I mean, it's not, it, it is, it's, it's essentially uh, what ranch except with limes. And no, no, it's, it's, it's worse. Is made with ranch. <laughs> I love it. Ranch, mayonnaise, milk, America's tears, salt, pepper, <laughs> and other stuff. And you know what? In all my love, I don't. You're you're never gonna change my mind about that. I'm sorry. I love it. I grew up here. It's part of my similar to. Seriously, it's just where I grew up with. I am gonna say this. So I am on a Saturday night, perhaps pretty idiotically. I got on your website to order to go food at twenty. Nah, maybe five minutes to six. Mm-hmm. PMs, you know, normal early, I'm an old person dinner time. I get the message back that I can come pick up my food. This is the weight that you were on at 8.30. Yes. Yes, that is true. So, so when, let's talk to the people right now. When should they be ordering? What goes first? So they should order that so they can at least get it. Mm-hmm. Tell me the insider info on how to get snacks from your two and a half hour wait on a Saturday restaurant. So we, um, we, we keep our pre-order slots to five minutes every, um, like every five minutes you get a slot. And so basically when you sign up, you get a, it'll take you to the next five minute slot. That way we know every five minutes we have one person coming in and we can still honor walk-ins. Our first weekend, we got our kicked in and I did not expect the sheer amount of walk-ins and the sheer amount of volume we were going to do. And we basically powered through it. And then like we regrouped, figured out things and things. And now we're smooth and steady. And like, it's a lot, it's a lot smoother of a, of a, of a ride, but the best way I strongly recommend is pre-order early in the day. Like, like, like 10 a.m. or like 9 a.m., 10 a.m. before anybody else thinks about it. Like, if you know, like, yo, an aggressive burrito that's super thick with three C's sounds like I want for dinner tonight. Like go ahead and just make that a thing because if you try to order at five 45, you're going to get caught in the time at like nine. And yes, that is very true. And like, I mean, people call the phone all the time at the restaurant. We're just like, Hey, um, is it really three hours for like a burrito? I'm like, yes, I'm really sorry, but that is, that is the way. And, um, and, you know, and we, and we don't take over the phone orders just because there's just so much madness going on. Like the restaurant is like a thin veneer of calm that conceals a wall of chaos. And all we need is like one little needle poke to burst that bubble. So no, we can't take over the phone orders, but we love walk-ins and, you know, we try to keep our walk-in time about 15, 20 minutes. And we're pretty good about that. But there are times when like, you know, we are just getting murdered. And like, we look at the, um, at our, like our pre-orders and we're like, oh yeah, so-and-so decided to get $200 worth of food. And we love that person, but we just now know that we have to like make 12 burritos in like five minutes. But, um, but the beauty of us is that, and I'm really passionate about this, we cook everything to order. Like we start with like raw ingredients and then like we are cooking that when you order it. Like it's not like a cold steak that's just been sitting in like a steam table like Chipotle or anything else. It's literally you order a carne asada, cool. We have our marinated steak and we literally throw it on a grill. We put the portion out. And then seven minutes later when it's cooked perfectly, you put it on a tortilla, we garnish in it. And eight minutes later, you get something that 10 minutes ago was still in its like raw form. And now you have like really, really fresh, awesome food. And so, like, I guess if you don't want to hang out and wait for, like, 25 minutes as a walk-in or you want to have dinner, especially during one of those peak, like, 5 to 8 o'clock times where people, like, like would like to eat normal, like, hours, you got to order early in the morning. It's just, it's just the way it is. Like, you can't just be like, hey, it's 7 o'clock. A burrito sounds good. If, that, if that's the case and you give that two-hour wait, just come in the door and just wait 25, 30 minutes and we'll get you. But I promise every single thing is made with love and like, we're going to kill it. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be delicious. I absolutely promise you that. And get the fries. The fries are like legit. 
Like I'm, that's where I'm like my, that and the Diablo Guapo, the fried chicken sandwich we're doing right now, are probably my two favorite things that we just like, just added without like the public seeing them. And they're just, um, they're just stupid good. Because I really believe that like, you can't bang in the South without a fried chicken sandwich. So like, the Diablo Guapo- Words to live by right there. You can't bang in the South without a fried chicken sandwich. Exactly. I mean, you can ask any restaurant in Richmond, they'll be like, I don't think you can bang as a Mexican restaurant without white sauce in Virginia. How about that? Drop it, Roby. I will tell you what, Roby, I've made a white sauce. I've made my version of it. It was really good. I just don't want to put it in my menu yet. (laughs) It's for it isn't just so I make this clear, it's straight Virginia, you know, us it's it's like totally ridiculous, right? It started as like Plaza Azteca or something. So I know that it's like completely ridiculous so like i actually like you know behind the scenes story of the white sauce and i get very brief one time i was hanging out with my wife and she's like what do you want for dinner and she's like oh, i want chicken wings and like when you are or when you cook a lot you can't just like cut up chicken wings and throw in oil so i brined some chicken wings the day before you know we made it got the you know got the pan to the pan and while i was frying these wings i made my sauces from scratch i was like and it was inspired by um by one of my favorite restaurants in dc called anju and they do like an Alabama white sauce on their Korean fried chicken wings. And I was like, yo, let me um let me come up with some of these wings. And my wife also loves ranch and my dog's playing aggressively in the back. Um, so I said, all right, let me make this white sauce. So I made my own version of it with, instead of mayonnaise, I did crema, I did a little bit of a guano, like infused ranch. And I did this and I really, really like it. And I'm like, wow, I hate ranch, but my wife likes it. Everybody else likes it. I taste it. And I'm like, I, by the way, I absolutely hate ranch. If ranch is on your menu at any restaurant, I won't eat it. I just really hate ranch. That's just probably like one thing that I just refuse to just eat is just ranch. I'm so sorry. Ranch is awful. Like if it's ranch or die, I'm just going to die. It's just, it is what it is. But um, if we ever, like one day, if I ever decide to like do a, like a, like a, like a wing spot, we'll put the white sauce on the menu just for you. There you go, Robert. Not just for me, I'm telling you, I'm not the only one, but it is very polarizing. Very, very polarizing that white sauce, which is great. Which is good, because it should be. Things that are good are good to some people and not great to the other people. I I don't know. Todd, how do you feel about white sauce? I like ranch, I'll tell you that much. I do like ranch. Carlos, I got a question for you. Last time we spoke, last time we spoke in the interview that shall not be named, uh, it was right before the one that Scott deleted. It was right before the restaurant opened, right? So you were your your energy was like you were you were like exploding at the seams. You were so excited and nervous and and confident oh and happy. Like so now the restaurant is open. T- take us back to that day that that morning you woke up. The, the the morning your restaurant was to open. Like walk us through that day. I really thought no one was gonna f- show up. Like I really did. Like, I felt like, okay, like, I'll probably be like, the 20 people that really ride with us are going to be here, obviously. And those 20 people did show up. And I was just like, but after that, like, who, who the hell knows if people are going to come? Because, like, at the breweries, it was cool because I knew that, like, the breweries would pull people in. And I'm a natural, like, pessimist in my heart. Like, really? I believe in my food and everything. I still, like, go worst case scenario, like, immediately. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have guessed that about you. Just the, oh my god, the I was conversations. So, I was like, I was like, yeah, my food is freaking amazing. I hope people come through. I really hope they come. Please come, please come. But like, all right, so we make pre-orders live at twelve o'clock that day, right? And I'm like, okay, we're good, we're live. I'm not gonna look at it. I'm just gonna go prep and do work. And I come back three hours later to like check that up and update the system or whatever. And I look, I'm like, oh, we sold out, like. Completely, like we're every single three hours. You, in three hours, you sold out that menu for the night. Yeah, that, and then I looked at it and like, oh wait, no, this whole thing sold out an hour and forty-five minutes. Like, wow, and, and that happened. And then Saturday, the exact same thing happened. And then we just didn't have it. Like at the end of Saturday at night, I went to the guys and like, yo, what do we have left? And they were like, not. And I was like, really? Like, yeah. Like, can we prep stuff? Like, can you get someone to bring us like raw ingredients? And I'm like, let's see, if we can. And every provider was like, no. And I was like, hmm, guess it can't open. And so we like sold out on Sunday. And it was like a wild feeling just to like, and, but I was still nervous about it. Like going into Wednesday, I'm like, well, maybe it was just opening weekend. People were just like, you know, still checking out. And then immediately Wednesday happened. It's the same exact thing. 
we just did like five days straight of just getting murdered. But no, like, man, I remember like the apprehension, the excitement. Because like, it sounds super cheesy, but like, it's really wild when dreams come true. Like, TBT is a dream I had since I was a young chef. I remember when I was in that Mexican restaurant when I was a teenager and just like washing dishes and getting, you know, just just brutalized. It's basically the kitchen errand boy. Um, I kept thinking to myself, like, one day I'm going to open up a totally badass taqueria. It's going to be a totally badass taco shop. And then fast forward like 10 years later, I'm 28, 27, about to be 28. And I got the spot. And my mom was like, so you got the building. What are you going to call your business? Like, you can't just be like Carlos's taco shop. I'm like, right. I'm going to call it TBT. Because, you know, it's my mom. You know, you don't want to tour in front of your mother. And like, um, and my mom's like, oh, what does TBT stand for? And I, right off the top of my head, I go, Tacos, burritos, and tortas. And she goes, oh, my God, that's great. You should call it Ohio because that's your nickname. And I'm like, yeah. So, like, yeah, that's what, you know, PG version, what it stands for is Tacos, burritos, and tortas. But it actually really means totally badass tacoria. And that's just kind of like what we wanted to create in the, in the embodiment of that shop. But, no, man, that day I was like, I was a mess, man. I was so nervous and so anxious. <laughs> I was like, man, I hope people show up. And I knew they were going to come through, but like, like, it's just weird because I was so scared of the unknown of that big leap. It's like you have this dream and like, you're like, I hope people like come through and people have been amazing. And when the doors open and like we were getting killed, I was just like, oh my God, this dream is now a nightmare. I can't keep up with this bottle. And like, and then the next day we got a lot smoother and a lot better at it. And then this past week where, we're like, I think we're running at about 92% like optim optimacy. Like there's still some kinks we're gonna work out, but we're gonna, but we'll get there because you know I have a great crew and we're really good at figuring problems out. But um no man, I was I was a legitimate mess. Like I was like telling my wife, like, but I really hope they come through. And she was like, People love you, calm down. I'm like, okay. And then like, how do the neighbors feel? Because you're right there kind of in a residential area with all that loud like wonder how they're like what are they thinking about what's going on? So all the neighbors like came through that first night and they're like, finally you're open. We've been trying to get like like food forever. And like we and they come in all the time. They're 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 awesome. Like, those people that live within like five minutes are just like, yeah, I just be chilling and I'll be like, you know what, I want a burrito and I just walk in there, order your food, and then like, yo, it's a 40 minute wait oh, cool, I'm just going to walk across the street and go home. And then we'll text them, and they come back, and they get it, and they're just great. But the dude to the left, he's an OG. He just hangs out in his, in his stoop, drinking PBR, hanging out, and goes, huh, you got a lot of people coming by, son. And I'm like, I know, right? He's like, good job. <laughs> and I'm like, he kills me. He cracks me up. He's a, he's a, he's a cool dude. And uh, I really appreciate him. Just like, he's just, like I said, he just kind of hangs out and people watches, and he's just like, you guys are really busy. But I, you I are really like busy. Like it's this. good. It's really no, good. I was um, actually watching all your neighbors when I was there, sitting in my car, thinking, this has to be really, really great. Because like on a Saturday, because you said you probably are going to get alcohol at some point. On a Saturday, you could just come over, get a nice local beer and a couple of tacos and just be like, here I am and watch the show. Exactly. Just sit, sit in the car, eat, eat a burrito. Don't drink any brews in the car. And, yeah, stay away um, from that. Yeah, stay away from that. Drink an agua fresca. The whole chat does also something that like has become like a huge sleeper hit for me. I did not expect people to really, really vibe with the house made El Chata. And I'm like, something. that's another thing I really love making because, every, again, every Mexican restaurant in Richmond, I feel like buys the powder of a concentrate and just goes do, 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 do with some water and like, Hey, we have some house made chanta, and I'm like, it's not really house made. Like, you bought that from the Mexican market. Like, <laughs> you bought the Kool-Aid version of chanta and agua frescas. But like, our agua frescas are like, hey, let me buy some real fruit. Let me uh, cook this down. Okay, let's make this syrup. Let's do this and this. All right, cool. Let's steep this for like six hours in the hot water. All right, cool. Now we've made an agua fresca. Let's add the actual appropriate level of sweetness with like either agave syrup or actual simple syrup. And in with Ochata, it's just like, let's take real raw ingredients, seep it, and then make a statement infused rice milk with other deliciousness. And then 48 hours later, we have 50 gallons of Ochata. And I'm like, this will keep us going for like a week, right? And then like three days later, I'm like, oh crap, we went through that much Ochata. Like, was this wild? And if you're wondering what Ochata is, it is a cinnamon infused rice milk 
in America, like kids grew up drinking like lemonade. In Mexico, we grow up drinking all chocolate. It's just kind of like our summertime drink. And um, ours is dairy free, which is really rare because most of the time they have some sort of dairy in them, but ours is dairy free. So, because I'm actually very conscious of creating a menu and crafting experience that everyone can enjoy. Like I had a really good friend of mine when I lived in DC who, had, who was a vegan. And I felt really bummed out when we go to places and they'll be like, well, you like fries? Oh, <laughs> no, we fry our fries in pork fat. So we got a carrot. Is that cool? <laughs> like carrot sticks and, and like ranch, all oh, like ranch isn't vegan. Okay, well, sucks to suck, man. And like, I hated that for him. So when I got my restaurant, I was like, I need to create vegetarian vegan options that A, they're there and present, but also be like taste really freaking awesome. And so that's why like we don't just do basic stuff with the vegetarian vegan options. Like if it's not as good as our traditional options or our, our, our you know carnivore based options, then it's not going on that menu. It's like I'm not gonna put it in that giant board behind my head, you know. So like because again, like it's I just want everyone to walk into that building and feel like there's something there for them. Even if you don't really like ride for Mexican food. And it's just like one of those things you're not super into. There should still be other, still options there for you that you can go, oh yeah, fried chicken sandwich, I can do that. Or, you know, be like, hmm, I don't really feel like, um, like, you know, going straight tacos, but I can do this. You just know? no white sauce, right? No, not yet. Probably never, not ever. No, easy, easy, easy. Don't say never to anything. It's going to be like a day. You never know. Like nine <laughs> months from now or something like that. Eight months from now. Where I'm just gonna say, "Hey, what's new wings?" And then I'm gonna make the white sauce, and then people are gonna be like, "This is amazing!" And I'm gonna be like, "Great!" You know, never like monstrosity of my own creation, you know. Because okay, so like, and speaking of monstrosity of my own creation, I never wanted to do chips. Like chips are not at all like a Mexican thing. That's just something that became a very Americanized expectation of Mexican food. So I was like, I'm not gonna do chips. So we make this guac, and then I was people were. I and mean, then everyone was like, so what are we going to do? Just give them a, a four ounces of guac? And I'm like, yeah. And then my wife was like, you got to give them chips. And I was like, I don't want to do chips. And my wife was like, you're going to do chips. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do chips. <laughs> Thank God. Like, you have someone in your chips. ear with some good advice. Yeah. And now we now we have chips. And people are like really excited about our chips. And I'm just like, great. <laughs> I'm glad that I even things I'm not like super. So basically, even things I'm not super excited about doing are still going to be awesome because – at the end of the day, it's like there's an expectation and a standard I set for myself. And like, that's what we're trying to do. So you guys the, are open now Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays? Is that, is yeah, that Wednesday the situation? 25 total hours a week is what they're open. Wednesday to Saturday, you can get a taco only 25 hours of the week. But he's, so 5 to 10 on Wednesday, 5 to 10 on Thursday, 5 to 10 on Friday, and 12 to 10 p.m. on Saturday. So 25 then, hours are the only times you can get his stuff, which is awesome. We are, we because are hours. We are trying to go Sundays 12 to 9, but it's really hard when on Saturday it's 11 o'clock yeah. and, and it's like, okay, what do we have left? And then, um, so we're trying to add Sunday hours to make that consistent thing. But like, and as 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 we like fill out our staff and we hire more, and it should be a lot more consistent because we want to expand the breakfast and we want to do because that's the next thing for me is I really want to do a really really banging like a really aggressive like beautiful delicious like breakfast menu on the weekends because like I really think we need really good breakfast tacos in Richmond and like and to have like a breakfast burrito that's just like can actually cure a hangover or whatever you know like that's something I really want to do and. So they want to bring, and I mean, well, I'm just, it's just kind of like. What about late night food? I feel like you're located where people could really use a taco when the everything opens back up, like Friday and Saturday night. I feel like 2 a.m. tacos or 2 a.m. TBT is probably a good idea. We are, we are thinking about doing late night hours as, as things open back up and as people feel more safe. And, you know, and the, and the college kids come back out and the, you know, the bars are full around us. So I, I, we, it's probably something we will consider and probably add to, but it, it's wild. I mean, like my space is 700 square feet and literally like 650 of it is like straight kitchen. And when I first got it, like, I didn't think it was going to be that. I had no idea we were going to be like 
people would like me this much. And I remember when I first got all my equipment and stuff, like we had like half the space in the kitchen that we do now. And then as the pop-up started happening, and I'm like, maybe halfway through January, I was like, holy crap, like we're busy, busy. Like these pop-ups, like we're getting killed in these pop-ups. Like I need to expand that kitchen. So like we maximize that space and we push the counter like, yo, this counter needs to go like right in front of the door. Like we need all this room here now just to get this line going. And like, that's another thing I really love about our kitchen is that it's a small building, but it's basically an open kitchen because like, I think open kitchens are awesome because not only do they provide ambiance, but it's also kind of a really kind of like cool way to pump your chest and be like, yo, I got nothing to hide. These are my dudes. We're cooking. We're making real food. Stand here, watch us. Like, like it's like no bullshit. Like we're here to cook and we love doing this. So like, check it out. There's no enchiladas that have been sitting in a warmer for 12 hours. There's no steam tables loaded with protein that have just been sitting there in a room like that, well, an appropriate temp for, for four, five, six hours. This is like legitimate, like actual cooking. Like we are, we got like, like I'm there yelling like, yo, drop eight tacos or, or like AJ and Eduardo are just like running that line like champs and like, and then like AJ and Spencer on my garnish line just hustling. Like we're, we're, we're there, we're, we're live. It's a fun environment, you know, and, and that's, and that's what I love about it. And who knows, maybe in the future is like people will see what else is, is out there for us. And you know, and we'll, and we'll see maybe like we'll just, and that building we're a little bit limited by our size. But who knows? Maybe in three, four years if I'm still around, like like unless you guys just all decide to leave me and I'm just stuck with an empty building, sad on the weekends. Who knows? <laughs> but, Don't bring this back up. Don't say that. Oh, I'm, so you're I'm so sorry. They got no, the PBR no. next door. We'll, we'll, we'll still be around. They got the PBR. He'll definitely be still around. Absolutely. So this episode of Eat It for Dinner, like every other one, drops on a Monday. So just so you guys know, Monday, when this episode drops, you need to get onto the website and yes. reorder your tacos for, for Wednesday, Wednesday starting at five. Yes. You're listening to Eat It Virginia with Carlos, Scott, and Roby. How many tacos is that for you, Scott? Does last night's order count? I, I paid for last night's order. He didn't, I walked in, he looked a little sheepish when I walked in. I don't know if he expected me to pay or if they were gonna be free, but he, he cursed a lot. He cursed a lot. And I feel that's, like um, that's a I dozen. Have, I might've missed one or two. My brother who listens always, it's like, oh, you missed enough bomb. <laughs> I love your I'm brother. Like, I'm like, thanks a lot, Eric, that's great. Speaking of your brother, um, have you had your date with uh, uh, Bo yet? Um, no, but I think I saw somewhere that you went out with him. I didn't go out with him. I didn't go out with him. I told him I could go, but we have not confirmed anything. I feel like we'll that you're we'll, just- We will make it happen. What are you doing? Like, why do you keep putting him off? He's busy, I'm busy. You know, I'm playing hard to get. Oh, That's what I heard. That's what I heard. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna have to let him see that lovely quaff you got Makes going Makes it on. happen. It's a good stuff. Maybe we can go to Abuelita's for our first date because Abuelita's is our champion of the we're open tournament for those of you not following along at home cbs6 eat of virginia we we paired local restaurants with teams that were playing in the tournament and the final four was ruby scoops uh, oh lucas oh lucas it was abuelitas and soul taco and so the four of those the four of those restaurants each won a prize the final was soul taco and gonzaga versus Abuelitas and Baylor. And for the whole thing, I was thinking Soul Taco and Gonzaga has it wrapped up, but no, didn't happen that way. I want you to look back at our little prediction. I told you it was gonna be Abuelitas when we were in the Elite Eight. I, I should have listened to you at the time, but I did not. Abuelitas, they went full throttle. I'm so I'm really sporty, impressed. I know all these things. I don't understand. I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed with, with they've decorated their restaurant yes. in, in green and gold, which is Baylor's colors. And they posted on their social this past week that a Baylor alum came into the restaurant and ordered dinner because that alum saw all the, the fanfare. That's ultimately that's what this is all about. Getting people in these restaurants, helping these local small businesses um, succeed through these difficult times. So the small role that we were able to play in, in that, it was just kind of awesome to see from 
you know, where we're sitting. So I'll have you know that I went in the day they won. You went into Abuelitas as well? Oh, yeah. No, oh, absolutely. nice. Of course. I haven't been in a bit. I went because, and, uh, and, well, was it I, good? I'm here to report they're absolutely winners. That <laughs> was really good. Yeah. All the way around. All the way around, one big win. You should go take a to go container. You, met, you had mentioned in the open that restaurant week was starting in Richmond. It is. It's, Do you have the details for the people? I have the deets for the peeps. Um, you are looking at April 12th through 25th. And there are, let's say there are 65 restaurants. This, yep, 60, nope, 61 restaurants that are participating. And you know, that whole, you can do $5 donations if you want, or you can do buy your meal and a certain amount of money goes to the local um, food it goes to our local feed more, which is amazing because that helps out with food insecurity all over Richmond and Virginia. You're, you are now dining in restaurants, which is amazing. I will be hopefully doing that in the next couple of weeks as well. This year has been traumatic on many levels for a lot of people on many levels. What do you think will stay? I mean, obviously we don't know the direction the pandemic is going to take. We don't, we don't, we don't know. We, we hope that the vaccination effort is successful. We hope all this works the way, you know, we're being told it's going to work. So let's just assume that happens. Let's assume that the vaccinations work and by the fall, things are more normal than not. What do you think sticks around in terms of restaurants? And what do you think is like going to be the first things to go by the wayside that we've kind of gotten used to over the last year? So I think your, and I hope, your QR codes and your um, takeout being so very easy from an online standpoint and a pickup standpoint, I bet you that stays. And I think people being more knowledgeable about tipping on those, because before I bet you a lot of people didn't tip on their to-go because they didn't think about how it was still providing all of the same things, just not the plate. Sure. on the table. So I bet you that stays or I'd like to see it stay. Um, I think even taking that knowledge about tipping f- even further, I think that it's it's a lot more visible about how poorly our servers and our back in front of the house in the restaurants were being paid. And so I've, I'm hopeful that that, the pandemic being so crappy for them, I'm hoping it highlighted their like able to live, their living wage is gonna be better for them. Uh, what will go? Uh, call the heaters. I highly doubt that those <laughs> are going to hang out. Um, I don't foresee, I wish they would, like I wish we'd be like Switzerland or Denmark or, or, or like any of those places that get super, super cold, but everybody still stays outside. It just wears the appropriate amount of clothing to have snacks and drinks outside. But I don't think us as Virginians or Richmonders are either patient enough to do that or um, will endure the uncomfortability of it before we get it right. So that, I think those are going. Um, I did see that the governor, I believe, extended the to-go cocktail sitch for a whole other year, right? 2022, I think it's July of 2022. Um, I, I don't think we'll keep that. I, I'm sad to say, I think that he jerks that right back, which crushes my soul. <laughs> well, you know, you give and you take, right? Yeah, no, and it just takes my soul away. Like that's why would you do that? I'm seeing a lot of restaurants now posting on social that they're hiring. Oh God! You know, they're trying to like they're trying to restock their their staffs. Um, now, in your, you're, obviously you're you're connected well to a lot of these restaurants. And the issue early on, well, besides not having the business to support a staff, was that some of the restaurant industry people. Um, we're not going back to work because the unemployment benefits were such that it made more sense to take the benefits and not go back to work. Right. Um, is that still the situation? Is that part of the, why people are trying to staff up? Obviously businesses starting to pick up and they need more staff, but are, is it harder to find people to staff those jobs because it's easier to not easier, but it's more profitable to stay home to stay home and not work currently i think that you'd get you've hit the nail on that yeah i think that a with the current this and this is sad 
I mean, this is really, really sad to say out loud, but I think that, um, I mean, you, you don't want to go back to work because you're making the extra $300 a week on unemployment. You have crappy people um, eating in your restaurant, not being very nice. Um, and I think the restaurants are busier. And I also, you know, sometimes when you're forced to do something, it ends up being like a little it ends up being positive. And I bet you a lot of restaurant workers that were forced to leave the industry had to find something else. And they're probably just going to stay with it. Um, so I don't know. I'm, there's going to definitely be challenges. You just can't pay someone that crappy and expect them to go to work, especially when their health is at risk. I mean, I think so, a lot of them are vaccinated, but still. Yeah. And as you mentioned before, that might be a positive that comes out of it long-term that, that some of those salaries will increase and, and uh, people will feel more appreciated at their jobs. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, if people didn't want to wear masks, I don't know if you've read the article that was recently in the Times Dispatch, but it's talking about the staffing shortage and it's just walking through like how people were stabbing people because they didn't want to put masks on. And I'm right. And that's just crappy. Not in Richmond, but no, I believe this yeah. was in uh, it's either Texas or Louisiana. I don't know. Sure, sure. It wasn't me in Louisiana. No, 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 no. no. Um, it, it was not here. That's for sure. But um, I hope that everybody gets back to the way it was, or close to the way it was, um, from a busy standpoint, because I think that's still a problem. Yeah, yeah, me too, for sure, for sure. All right, I'm gonna close this on a good note. I can't be talking I know. about. I, I totally doused or fired. I, I, I restaurants. That. That's you totally killed me again, twice I in apologize. one podcast, man. So I, I mentioned man, this at the right. top, so but we will reiterate for the folks just tuning in. Um, Rich uh, Richard Magazine Ooh. is doing their best and worst of voting, and kind of jokingly, uh, Roby and I always say that we're voted the second best podcast in Richmond. We are always the bridesmaid. Last couple of years, we've been number two, and, yep. and we've not been able to mobilize our army of uh, friends and family. Well, last year we didn't. Even, last year we didn't even know what was going on. So, so Roby is taking the initiative this year. Yep. She alerted. She alerted us that the voting is now open. I believe it's open till like July. Good. But Everybody vote early. Vote, vote often. Yep. You don't need to bring your ID to the polls. You can do it online. You, can, you don't have to wear a mask while you vote. You can just in do it online. Pajamas. There's so many. Have you voted yet, by the way? No, there's so many categories. I'm going to need voted. to whittle those down. Oh, it takes like an there's hour. There's so many categories. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I think We're really asking something of you because it's a lot of categories. The good news is the podcast category, I believe, is among the top, like on the first page. So you like just go to that, guys, vote for us, and then leave. No, I think you, I think they make you vote. I mean, I think. You have to vote. Don't what if you vote don't know what your best dentist no, is? No, 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 no. I think it's 10. I think you have to vote for 10. Oh. 10 things. 10 things. Which is a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot. It's not a lot because there's like 150 categories of during which you can vote. I was going to say, so. dude, if they make you vote for the whole thing, I mean, they don't know who the best weed eater is in Richmond. Weed eater? Just raking up vote. a category, Scott. Marijuana <laughs> becomes legal on July 1st. Yes, it does. We're all going to be weed eaters. I was saying you need a lot of weed eating. This episode of Eat It Virginia, <laughs> Eat It Virginia. <laughs> this episode of Eat It Virginia. <laughs> no! Oh God, no!